Well, what a great morning we've had already with the worship and, and the communion word was just so beautiful, just so spot on. Before I start, I probably need to tell you that um, what I'm sharing today is not out of the brilliance of my own um, mind or study. It's from a person called Rick Renner. And if anyone's heard of Rick Renner, you'll know what an um, amazing preacher and teacher he is. He has a big church in Russia, preaches all over the world. Um, his books are amazing. He's very um, able in the Hebrew and the Greek and I have some of his books. And when I first read this, it just I've shared it once before, but in more depth. So today I want to share a little bit about John on the Isle of Patmos. And how it came about was, before Pastor Darrell asked me last time, and I must admit I felt really bad to pulling out on Saturday night, you know. Anyway, this week you won't believe it, but I was making a cup of tea for my daughter, knocked a cup off the, off the shelf, it bounced down and cut my wrist. And so there I am pumping blood out, you know, and, and got taken up to the hospital and had stitches. And I told the doctor it was more painful than having a hip operation, and it was, poking around with needles and everything. So, yeah, I was already meditating on this because I'd been watching God TV and I love to watch the Jewish Christian channel and they were asking the rabbi different questions and, you know, like they're explaining the Hebrew and, and how the Hebrew language has many layers to the words, whereas our English language usually has just one. And they were talking about the glory of God on Moses. And without, you know, telling you the story, you know that he covered his face so that, you know, the people wouldn't see the glory. And, you know, to me, that never really made sense. Like, why would he do that? I've heard preachers say, oh, it's because he didn't want to see the glory dissipating, but I don't know about that either. But this particular rabbi said that the word that was used... Let me get my glasses on so I can get it right. Um, that the light and the glory that actually came on Moses from God was like shafts or shards of lightning and it was flashing out of him. Like we don't have any understanding about the glory of God. We just think the glory of God is when you get overcome and you lay on the floor. Or, and we don't actually, you know, I can't still get my head around the glory of God. But just imagine that, you know, like lightning coming out of his face. Well, he would have to cover his face, wouldn't he? Because you wouldn't want to look at him. It would be just, you know... And there was a few other instances too that I'd been um, hearing about the glory and about the light. And then I remembered that uh, a few years ago I'd shared um, a, 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 this word from when John was on the Isle of Patmos. And I thought, oh, that was about the glory of God and the exalted Christ. And then I started reading that and then Pastor Darrell asked me to preach. So I said, thank you, Lord. <laughs> so this, you know, like, please don't think this is my um, words and everything. This is from Rick Renner. And if you look him up on the internet, you'll find exciting stuff there. And John, as we know, was a, a political uh, prisoner on the Isle of Patmos because of his belief in Jesus. And so I just want to share... I'm not sharing a whole lot about the, the, you know, the uh, message to the churches or anything. If I find it. When I was coming out today, I was carrying my bag out 
and I gave it to Alan to carry because it was so heavy. And I thought, you know, the enlightened young people and older people, they come up here with a phone or a little tiny tablet. And I stagger out and Alan said, that bag is heavy because I've got the big Bible and I've got the big book. But that's the way I do it. I couldn't get on a tablet. I would lose my place or something. So anyway, I want to read from Revelation 1 and uh, chapter 1 and verse 9. And it says, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the Isle of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches in Ephesus, Smyrna, uh, Pergamon, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia and Laodicea. He turned around to see the voice. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, with a golden sash around his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like a blazing fire. We can't imagine it, can we? His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters and in his right hand he held seven stars and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead and then he placed his right hand on me and said, "'Do not be afraid.' I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore, forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and hell. Isn't that a great scripture? If we only have that one, you know how exciting it is to know that. So you think back about, you know, what your understanding has been of scripture and when you're growing up. And I find that sometimes we just read the words and we, we don't really get into it so much. Now, I always thought that when it said in the spirit, that that meant, you know, was aware of spiritual things, like we're in the spirit here today, we can enter into spiritual worship. And I thought that it meant at that, you know, like being open. But I find from the study that in the Hebrew words, or the Greek words, that it describes something that happens unexpectedly or being caught off guard, it took John by surprise. So it wasn't actually talking about being in the spirit. And the word spirit in the original Greek is not capitalised. It's a small s. Now our, our Bibles say, but please check this out, you know, don't hate my word for it. Um, and I thought, isn't that interesting? Because I'd always thought in the spirit. So if we read it like the original Greek, it would read... In a way I could never have planned or predicted or anticipated, I suddenly found myself in spirit on the Lord's day. Another realm, a dimension or spiritual realm, far different from this natural world. So it's a little bit different, isn't it? And I always thought the Lord's day, well, that was the day that we all worship on. 
But in the first century, there was a special day and the translation was the Emperor's Day. The Emperor of the time had a special day where people had to worship him. So how good is this? On the day that the whole of the, you know, the, the world as we know it, the first century, um, the pagans under Domitian, they're all worshipping him. They're all worshipping him. And yet Jesus, the true king, the true over everything, like the ruler, he reveals himself to John. You know, Satan tries to counterfeit and gives Domitian this thing that he's divine, but the true God of the universe reveals himself to John on that very day. Now imagine when the the early Christians read the letter from John and realised God is in control. And I thought, you know... We need to have this same understanding today that God is in control, even when it looks like, if you watch the news, it looks like what is going on. Anyway, then it says, John heard, not just a voice, but think like a trumpet. It was a loud, clear clarion call. And Jesus then had John's full attention. He knew he had to submit to this authority. He didn't know it was Jesus at this time, but he knew it, it had authority. And it said he turned to see. Isn't that funny? He turned to see the voice. He, he turned to see. And now, remember, John would not have heard this voice for approximately 60 years. He wouldn't have heard that voice. But he knew there was something about it. I can remember one day um, my father's brother, an uncle of mine, knocked on the door and his voice was my father's. And straight away I recognised that voice, you know, because he spoke exactly the same soft tone as my father. And so John had an understanding that, you know, there's something about this voice. I'm, I'm remembering something, but 60 years, he'd had three years ministry with Jesus and he was a beloved, but 60 years since he'd heard the voice. So when John turned around... So the study tells us the barrier between the natural world and the spirit realm was removed and then all of a sudden he was in it. It wasn't just a vision, it was real and it was happening. And I've known people who've visited the uh, cave of Revelation, they call it on Patmos, and saying it was just amazing, you know, to go in there. So this person doesn't match his memory but this is Jesus exalted as in his role as king and priest and judge. It's not the Jesus that we always think about. But I think when we come into times of interceding for people and praying for people and, and thinking about the authority we have, this is the Jesus, this is the authority, this is where it comes from. This is amazing. Now, like, the son, like a son of man, but different. Maybe like John remembers Jesus, but more. There's more there. The Greek here implies that the garment that was given to Jesus was once and for all, and he will always be clothed with this particular garment, and it's a robe of the high priest. He is our high priest, the high priest of our confession, forever, forever. Isn't that amazing? The robe, you know, that that same robe, Jesus will wear that forever. Now, John would have noticed that by appearing as high priest that he was appearing in a prominent position and an intercessory role. 
because we know that uh, he was coming in to, to give a word to the, to the churches. And then he had a golden sash, or I think they said a belt, but the kings and people in high positions in the first century, they would wear a bolt of gold around their chest. They would call it a girdle sometimes. And it was something that was so majestic, you know, like um, it was a symbol of power and majesty and a high place. It was impossible to miss. It was designed to impress. Like, you know, they wanted to walk around and they wanted to be seen. There was no higher status symbol because you see pictures and you think, well, you know, why did they wear that? You know, it must have been uncomfortable. But apparently they wore it up high and then their gown would just sweep. As they walked, their gown would sweep in a very nice way and people would look at them. So, you know, like what an awesome sight for Jesus to appear to John like this with that belt of gold reminding the first century Christians God is high and above. Jesus is high and above every every power, every power on earth. And I mean, when you study what they went through, like you haven't got time to talk about it all. You know, we think sometimes that we have it hard and, we, and I mean, half of the world does. But, you know, it's a symbol of power and majesty and dignity, authority. authority. And they were, that would have been such a reassurance to them when John tells them these things. Look, God is in control. This is how he was dressed. Yeah, so it was to, to um, actually show that he, rules, he, he is over all rulers and governments. He's a, he's a king, he's over all, and he's over his church. He is over his church, and we are his church. It's for us now. And then verse 14 says, His head and his hair were white like wool, white as snow. Now, as a young person, I used to think oh, it meant really old, you know, like really old people have white hair. They don't now. We can do something with it. They don't. But there's no ageing in heaven. <clears throat> Everything is young and vibrant. And so that's not what it was meaning at all. I mean, I did find that out later, of course, as I went along. Anyway, the word there for white is leukos, the Greek word, and it means light, brilliant, shining or resplendent. So it was something that is above what we are used to looking at. So, you know, we can't understand sometimes what is happening because we don't have it in our minds that that light could be like that, you know. And in Daniel 7, 9, without going through all that, we find um, the throne and um, someone sitting on the throne and a lot of commentators think that Daniel actually saw the exalted Christ in his position of authority because he was seated on the throne. And it says that there was rivers of fire. The throne had fire all around it. Again, that fire, that brilliance. You know, when you start to talk about the authority of God, it's always coming out in light and fire and brilliance and something that, you know, is just so hard for us to understand. Um, the same word is used at the transfiguration of Jesus. And, you know, Matthew said that the face of Jesus shone like the sun. Who can look at the sun? You know, we can't look at the sun. No wonder they fell, you know. No wonder they just didn't know what was happening. A blinding light, an absolutely blinding light. And the angels outside the tomb, the scripture says that their garments shone like lightning, and they, you know, they couldn't look at it. The guards fell back in fear. So, you know, it's more than our understanding of light. It's a lot more than that. 
And, you know, the more you read it, you think, oh, God, I still don't get it, I don't think, you know, it's just so much. So imagine a flash of lightning that doesn't disappear. Like, this is what John was trying to look through. And when you see a flash of lightning, you know, you, you shut your eyes, you blink, but imagine if it stayed there and you're trying to look through it. And I was thinking the only thing that I could probably, um, you know, put it down to or what I would imagine is like you know when you see a movie and they're having interrogation someone they got the light in their eyes and you know they can't see and it would have been like that he couldn't see you know I mean what an experience he's trying to look through the through the light to see he wants to see Jesus and then it said he's looking into the eyes of Jesus and apparently the original says or the Greek says the eyes of him the eyes of him, Jesus, the eyes of him. And his eyes were like blazing fire, but it wasn't a fire for heat. It was a fire that just brought life and just was brilliant, you know, because we think of fire, we think of heat. Um, the Greek word carries an impression of wonder, the eyes of Jesus. You know, you sometimes hear of people and they've had a vision and they've seen the eyes of Jesus. You know, but they wouldn't have seen the eyes of Jesus like John saw him because John was appearing to him in his full majesty because he had a job to do at that time. So the word means something unique, unequaled and unmatched. The eyes of Jesus are unmatched by any other. Nothing else can ever come near to that. John said like fire, you know. I mean, even looking into a fire, sometimes you get mesmerised, don't you? And you look and you can't get your eyes away from it. And it's so nice at, at night if you've got a fire. That's why I've got a gas log fire because I can look at the flame and pretend it's real. You know, but you just want to keep looking at it. And, and that's what John would have do. He would have felt himself getting drawn closer and closer to Jesus. And the eyes of Jesus, of course, were on the churches at this time. And it was a pure gaze. But it wasn't to bring judgment. It was to bring warning Jesus never just brings judgment. There's always warning. People always have time to repent, always have time to come to him because that's the heart of God, for God so loved the world. That's, that's just our Lord. And five of the churches were on the verge of um, judgment and Jesus himself was interceding. He had the gown on of the intercessor as well. And then John saw the feet of Jesus and they were bronze, and I could never understand, you know, why would the feet of Jesus be portrayed as bronze? It's something outside my imagination even. But, it, you know, it, it said here that God had said to Moses, take off his shoes because where you stand is holy place. And so this portrays Jesus as the one who is completely pure and uncontaminated by any, any contamination of the world he's pure he's holy you know and that then that makes sense doesn't it um and the bronze denotes that when christ moves to bring judgment it's slowly it's always slowly to provide space for people to repent we're in the day of his favor we're in the day of grace we will never see the lord in that like you know, one day he will stand and the whole, every government, every king, every, whoever will have to fall at his feet. But we, we don't. We're not under judgment. We're in the day of his grace and his favour. 
And then in verse 15 it says, His voice was like the sound of many rushing waters and it drowned out all else. And I thought of Niagara Falls, you know, like you just can't hear. You know, you really can't hear anything. It's just this roar and it just continues and continues. And so, you know, his voice, first of all it says it was a trumpet and then it says drowning out everything else. So you think, oh, um, some believers think that um, God used this expression like of trumpets and loudness because the, the, um, the cave, which is called the Cave of Revelation now, was near the coastline and the waves would belt against the rocks and there was always the roar of the rocks. And so Jesus was speaking over the top of the roar and so John was hearing him. How amazing is that? We still need to hear his voice. But we have his word. Sometimes we have a still small voice. But his word is what we need because the word of Jesus still has that same power yesterday, today and forever. And sometimes we need the word of God to silence the voice of the enemy within us. And, you know, poor John, here he is on the Isle of Patmos and he's only, the only thing he did wrong was to believe in Jesus, was to oversee the seven churches and to live a life that was good and holy and beautiful. And here he is a political prisoner, you know. So, yeah, we need, we need the, the voice of Jesus had to come across louder than everything that was around and taking John's attention at that time. And the word will do that to us. Like we're singing, you know, about having no fear and, you know, the word of God will bring you to that place. <clears throat> and then in verse 16, it says, in his hand, in his right hand, the right hand always many of completion, he holds the seven stars. And it's also translated, I've heard it translated as pastors, but it says here, angels, messengers, probably and possibly pastors, oversights of churches. He's holding you. He's ho- We're all messengers for him. Like, you know, if we want to put it that way, we all have a job to do to go out and speak the word of God. So he's holding you in his hand, you know. He's hold- and, and apparently the meaning was he was holding them firmly and the literal meaning meant he will not let them go. And I thought of the scripture, I think it's Hebrews, um, and Jesus said, I will never let you go, no, never, no, never, no, never, amplified version, will I ever let go of my grasp or my hold on you? <laughs> I like the amplified, it's a bit wordy though. So he, they were, you know, he's holding those churches so tightly, even though he's coming to bring them a word you know, from himself. And then, you know, I just, we don't understand some of the things that were happening in the first century. And I thought, why the word stars? But then apparently stars were symbolic um, significance to pastors' ministries. And it goes on a bit and it talks about, and I won't go through it all, it's too much, but there is believed to be about 10 billion trillion stars. And there is no two stars alike. There is no no two humans alike. We all have different uh, fingerprints. We all have different looks at us. And the stars are set in course by by God. You know, they're set on that orbit and they veer ever so slightly, even after a thousand years. They do not lose their orbit. (coughs) And so the meaning there, (coughs) pardon me, was that we have the word of God. We have, I think it was mentioned today, 
um, in communion, like we know what to do. Don't move away from that. You know, like if the stars can stay there because God put them in place, he's given us that, this word. And so pastors and leaders and any one of us who is out there, we have the word of God. We don't have to go away from that. And that's, that was the, uh, the meaning that was coming through there. And then it talked about um, the oil lamps also, that pastors are like the oil lamps or the leaders or all of us. You know, like we go out, like we heard today, as a sweet perfume to the world. We also should be the light because people are drawn to the light, aren't they? They are drawn to the light. And so that, that you know, that goes for us too um, because remember the early sailors, they uh, plotted their course by the stars, you know, and when we're out there in the world, there are people who maybe will have no one else to teach them but watching us. And we've all had that happen. People will say, oh, I saw you do that. Why did you do that? I thought you might do that, you know? No, I can remember at work one day I came to work and this young man had just finished kicking in the door of my car and he'd written a note saying, I'm sorry I did this. Anyway, I bowled up to him and I said, I knew him and he was coming off drugs. And I said, why did you do that? And he said, I don't know. He said, I just got really angry because I wanted money from my mum and she wouldn't give it to me. And I said, well, I'm really disappointed in you, but I think we should go inside and we should talk to your mum about that because his mum worked at Upper Murray too. And when I got in there, someone said, we were watching what you were going to do. We wondered what you would do. You know, would you go, no, what have you done? But I just said, I'm really disappointed in you. So we don't know who's watching us. We don't know. You know, we need to be aware that we are like a light to the lost world. Um... Yeah, so Christ holding the seven stars in his right hand was very significant to first century believers. Now, I, I had no idea about this. Now, the emperor Domitian, I think that's how you say it. I don't know, but I'll say that, Domitian. He decided that his family had descended from gods and that they were now divine. Like, isn't Satan, like, so he can't invent anything, so he's got to copy something else, you know, and so here he is, this poor man, and we see it happening in the world today, people who think they're gods and, you know, Jesus help us. And he built temples, he started a new religion, and he was the god. And his young son died, and in 83 AD, he minted a coin to commemorate the death of his son. On one side, he had his own head, and on the other side, he had an image of his son, and I saw a picture of it, an image of his son sitting on a globe, the world, his arms outstretched, playing with seven stars, indicating that the seven planets were part of their um, heavenly dominion. You know, now, you know, what must the early Christians have thought of that? And it said John would have seen and probably used these coins because that was the coins. Again, what encouragement to the early Christians. God's in control. He's holding everything in his hand. Nothing to do with, you know, Domitian or anyone else in our lives who's in charge today. So we need to remember that. Um, then it says the, the two-edged sword. Um, there's, there's a lot in that, so I'm not going into the two-edged sword. But it was a fearsome, fearsome weapon. And that was like coming out of his mouth like a, you know, a, this sword that 
you know, can cut down his enemies and, you know, and we can use a two-edged sword to bring down our enemy, you know, to bring down demonic things against us. And his face was like the sun. It was shining in its brilliance. Remember Saul on the road to Damascus, you know, he was blind for three days because of the brightness that he, he couldn't see. So John couldn't take any more glory. Like, it was just too much too much for his mind, his body, his emotions. He just couldn't take it. And it says he fell down as one dead. It was just too much. You know, we just can't imagine that. One day all will fall at his feet, one day. And then Jesus, he reached down and he placed his right hand on him. You know, every word in scripture, it's not like Jesus touched him. But Jesus bent over him and touched him with his right hand. And so, I've got another minute. The right hand, you know, special blessing, denoting power, position of authority, protection, safety, favour, strength and victory. All of those things, you know, Jesus was imparting to him the same as he can impart to us today. When we come to him, we can have strength, we can have fresh life, we can have power over anything that the enemy would try to bring against you. I guess today that's one of the things I want us to really think about is the power and majesty in the exalted Lord. A friend of mine who used to preach around the world, and I think she's still preaching today, she said the Lord showed her one day that when she went in to preach or to battle, you know, that the enemy would run because he would see fire on her hands, fire on her feet, fire coming out of her mouth. You know, sometimes we don't understand how much demons, the devil, is afraid of us. He can't do anything, only persuade us to let him tell us something. You know, we have that power, we have that authority today to not listen to the words. And, you know, like, how many times do we hear words in our head and we think, what a funny thing to think. It wasn't us, it was a word whispered in our ear. So all of that, he reached down to John and he does the same to us today. And then he said, fear not. He said, don't be afraid. You know, don't be afraid. Today he says that to us, don't be afraid. doesn't matter what situation you're in. I am there with you. He said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. That's really, really reassuring, isn't it? He's, he's forever. I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. So Jesus said, fear not. Now, I just want just in finishing, I'm finally finishing. I'm pulling it in. And I want to read from Psalm 2, and I think that is just so relevant to us today. As we remember that God is in complete control, whatever we see, whatever we think, whatever situation that you're in, God is in control. If we will just turn to him and ask him, you know, and every person has something in their life where you know, we're praying for someone, we're interceding for someone, every family, every one of us. We can look at people and think, your life's perfect, but we don't know, do we? And God is always there with us. And Psalm 2 says, and now listen, isn't this for today? Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord 
and against his anointed one. Isn't that happening? Let us break their chains, they say, and throw off their fetters. In other words, we don't want any Christianity. We don't want that, and we're seeing that more and more. Listen to this. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. He laughs at what men would do. The Lord scoffs at them, and then he rebukes them in his anger, and he terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will proclaim, proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, he said to Jesus, You are my son, today I have become your father. Ask of me, and I will give the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possessions. You will rule them with an iron scepter. What a great promise. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you be destroyed in your way. In his wrath can flare up for a moment. Not to us. <laughs> Not to us. And the last bit said, Blessed are all who take refuge in him, or who put our trust in him. Let's put our trust in him in a greater way today than we ever have before. How great is our God. How absolutely amazing. Thank you. That was an amazing word, wasn't it? Praise God. Uh, we, we serve an awesome God. Did you know that? And that uh, uh, was, I mean, everything you said was good, Jill, but at the end there, uh, uh, I, I, the, the, you know, uh, the devil goes too far. You know, you know that? Like, uh, sometimes when we're younger and we, you can play a joke on someone, but it can go too far, and then it becomes not funny, it becomes hurtful, you know what I mean? And uh, uh, he's like that, he doesn't know when to stop. And uh, he thought he had a great victory when Jesus was hanging there dead on the cross. Uh, how wrong he was. <laughs> and uh, always goes too far. And I really believe in my heart there's going to be a great uprising of, uh, uh, against him when the uh, enemy comes in like a flood. The Spirit of God will raise up a standard against him, it says in Isaiah. And I uh, really believe that. But... Um, You've got so much more going for you than you will ever have against you. So much more. Like, you know, I was just uh, uh, reminded of that this morning as Jill was preaching that. And uh, remember an old lady, uh, Mrs. Busby, Beryl Busby. That would be an interesting name to have, wouldn't it? And uh, she's a beautiful old lady and I had the privilege of meeting her, Pam and I. And uh, her claim to fame, well, she didn't really claim any fame, but she used to play the piano for Smith Wigglesworth in his crusade, so there wasn't much she hadn't seen. But her and her husband in their later years went into a, uh, an Indonesian island as missionaries, and uh, the only three lots of white people there that had ever been before them had been killed. Uh, they were uh, cannibals, it was a pretty horrid place, and they said, you'll die, it's just said, God has told us to go there and take the gospel. So we don't care about dying. We're doing what he told us. And uh, the only thing different between the previous white people in there and them was that they were born again by the Spirit of God. 
and uh, the, they come out with spears and whatever else and when they saw them they dropped everything and ran and uh, they walked into the first village they came to and the people were freaked right out and, and uh, they conveyed to them that they were fearful and wanted them to go away. They said, what is this ring of fire around each of you and what is these white people with brilliant light shining over the top of you? And uh, we've got far more with God on our side than we could ever have against us. Amen? Yeah, let's stand. Let's stand. I, I don't know. Uh, uh, I love what Greg said earlier and, uh, uh, and it was just seemed to be God was putting his finger on the thing, the issue of fear this morning. And uh, uh, that was just ringing real true with me. And I, I trust that you have uh, been letting God deal with that in your, in your lives. But uh, if any of you want prayer regards that issue, like ministry team, uh, if you hang around, I'd love you to come and just get prayer for that. Because uh, you can't operate with fear in your life like it's a bad basis to operate from you can't you can't do it relationships will never work properly when you've got fear in your life nothing will work properly we either come out of love or we come out of fear and it's not the way to come out so um, if you need ministry for that love you to come this morning if you don't if you've dealt with that that's fine too but can we just sing the end of that song we sang there before just just yeah Oh no, oh no, whatever you're doing will be fine. Just just sing, that, that'll be, just sing something, yeah. That's cool. Just just briefly, just yeah, and if you, if you want to come, that's okay. If you don't, that's fine too. If you need healing this morning, love to pray for you as well. So just to give you opportunity. So thanks, Christy.
Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, we just thank you for gracing us with your incredible presence today. Lord, just for the opportunity to worship you this morning. Lord, we value your presence so much. We thank you so much for that today. Lord, I just ask very simply your blessing on this people today for this week. Lord, I just pray you're covering over everyone this week. And Lord, I just pray for opportunity for each of us, Lord, to do something, to share something, Lord, to just represent you in some situation this week. Lord, I ask that in and through your precious name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. Sorry, I know church has gone over time, but God's been speaking to me throughout the whole meeting all the, with all the fear and everything. And he's just saying to someone here, what's, you're going through a difficult stage, so what's the big deal in taking the step in faith? It can't be any worse than what you're going through now. He just wants you to know that he's got you. And taking that step is going to be the best decision you've ever made in your whole entire life. So don't be scared. You're already not liking where you're at anyway. So why not just get excited and just take that step of faith? It's been spoken about so much this morning and there's people here that are willing to pray for you. If you just take that step and come forward, your life will change from that moment onwards. He's got something for all of us, but just take that step of faith. Don't be afraid. He's got you. Thank you. So come if you want, folks. <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, I just keep remembering your message. I remember Jill saying people are watching us. They are, aren't they? And the worst thing is your kids watch you at home too. I just felt I would throw that in this morning. I don't know why, but... Uh, they see what you do. <laughs> Not when you're at church, when you're home. <laughs> Praise God. Hey, have a good week. Come if you need to come for, for prayer.